All right, I'm turning tonight to Proverbs chapter 22. We'll continue our study in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 22, and we'll be looking tonight at verses 6, and then also we're going to be looking at verse 15. So Proverbs 22, verse 6, and Proverbs 22, verse 15. Verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. This is another of what we would say is a proverb that is well known. Uh, If we take this proverb in verse 6 along with verse 15, we see that the training of our children is essential. It is essential for proper behavior. You'll notice that verse 6 uses the word train, which is very important. Train also uses the words in the way, uses the word go, also uses the phrase, will not depart. Now these are key understandings when we understand the reasons for why we train our children. These are the instructions that we're given. Verse 15 really describes to us, and it's often very, very difficult, especially for new parents when they're brand new parents to fully understand the reality of what this verse means. That foolishness, is bound. And that word bound is a very important word. Uh, That word means it is firmly entrenched. It is deep within. Um, It is bound in the heart. Uh, This is not a reference to uh, the organ that beats in the chest, but it is the very soul of the individual, just like all of us have a soul. Uh, It is the very seat of emotions. It's the very seat of who we are of a child, but the rod of correction. Now we notice here, I want to emphasize the word correction, uh, shall drive. So we see that there's very key words here, training in the right way, going, not departing from, foolishness being firmly entrenched or bound in the heart of a child, and then correction. Now, I will say at the outset, this does not mean that those who are not children are exempt from these instructions. Uh, There seemingly tends to be this idea that these are the things that are no longer a problem in an adult. These problems are still there. Uh, We still have to deal with the nature of our sin, even as adults. Uh, There is nothing more difficult and nothing more overwhelming, especially for those here tonight with your children, than that first child that they tell you that it's time for you to take that child home. Uh, I remember Jen and I being absolutely positively overwhelmed and almost begging that maybe we could stay at the hospital just a little bit longer. Our first was born during a snowstorm where everybody was basically stuck. They were stuck in the hospital. Doctors couldn't go home. Nurses couldn't go home. 
but we were content to stay because reality hit that we are now responsible for a life. We are responsible for a life that God has given to us. Parents will also say the second time around, there's still a level of a fear, of an overwhelming of the responsibility. And it's only when we realize that God gives us our children and we are responsible to raise them for his glory. Now, whether you have small children or whether you have children who are already grown, these concepts, these principles are just as important for all of us. Because it's important for us to understand where, what we're talking about, what we're dealing with when we think about children. Now, we see these things. We see the need for training. We see the need for correction. We see the reality that there is foolishness. And we do know that if a child is left to his or her own devices, the own desires of his or her heart, they will inevitably, at some point in time, they will go astray. Now, there are, of course, different ways of training. Training implies and infers a lot of different ways and modes and methods. There is no one way to raise a child. There is no one way to train a child. There is no just is one method. There's one way. Training takes into account a lot of different aspects. There are training. There is training that is, and again, is more severe. It is uh, more, there are times when correction has to be swifter. It has to be more severe. And it has to be more setting the, pride, the right way. But what we often fail to forget as parents is that the Bible is just as loud in the patient, loving ways of training as it is the severe. In other words, raising your children for God is not just always severe. Different things, different sins, different offenses require different types of correction. There is not just one way. Training is being left to sinners. I think it's very important that we understand that. You and I who are parents, whether you're younger parents or you're older parents, uh, we also have to keep in mind that we are sinners. That means that steps we take, even in our parenting, may not always be right. Uh, it, is, it will overcome you at some time, with your young, young families today, younger children, it will, it will overcome you and hit you one day. You'll ask yourself the question, have I done this properly? And you will look back over your life and you will find out you made a lot of mistakes with your children. You overreacted to some things, you underreacted to others, you weren't severe enough with certain things, you were too severe in other things, but the reality is, is you are sinners. We are sinners saved by the grace of God, which means even in our parenting and later on, for many, grandparenting, we are going to make mistakes. We are not always going to train properly. But as we see in the Proverbs, much like every other proverb that we read, we are instructed on the way in which we should go. The idea, the principles that Solomon is giving us here is the reality of training your children should be consistent. 
And it should be consistent with what? It should be consistent with what the Bible says. Now, one thing that we are fighting, and you will fight, is the reality of man-world-centered correction of a child, the world's philosophies, and what the Bible says. There will always be a crash at the intersection of those two. Because the world says you shouldn't do, you can't do, by God's word, but God's word says this is part of training. Now again, passages like this and some other ones we're going to look at tonight have become hotbeds of controversy. Many times they're controversial because they're mishandled. Sometimes they're controversial because people just don't want to read what it says. But other times we have to keep in mind and remember that the principles and the precepts and the standards that are given to us in Proverbs and the rest of the Bible are words of God's wisdom. This is God's words. It's not man's. These words of God will remain forever. These are not temporary words. Um, we could tell you, and it's amazing, I'm even standing here saying, I remember when. I, 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 I can't even begin to tell you how quickly this all went by. But the numbers of philosophies and the counsel and the advice and people telling you, this is what you have to do, this is how you raise your kids, this is how you... I can't even begin to tell you how many hundreds of pieces of advice we received. Some of it well-meaning, some of it with the intent of we don't like the way you're doing it. And that's the reality of raising children. So we have to settle in our minds that our training of our children has to be based upon biblical standards. It has to be. And it's got to be founded on that. And one day, if you're a grandparent, that grandparent, they want to be founded on biblical principles so that you have consistent training of your children. We all want that. Now, what you train your children with is not just for their childhood. What you train your children with are going to be valid throughout the entirety of their life. In other words, what you're correcting in them now are the things that we're going to always be correcting. To think you are going to, as a sinner saved by grace, completely drive out all sin is impossible. But there should be the proper training so that, as the Bible says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. So the principles of training a child are the same principles as we're to live by as adults. So be careful that you don't just mark this and say, okay, here's training for children, and then here's training for adults. No, it's all coming from the same words of wisdom. It's all coming from the Word. Now, there's a couple passages we're going to read tonight, and one of them talks about the rod of correction. And we're going to deal with that. We're not going to avoid it. We're not going to run away from it. But Proverbs 13, 24, let's look at a couple other passages. We're not going to expound these tonight, but we're going to see that these are all principles in training. Proverbs 13, 24 tells us, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes or in the proper times and at, at times this is necessary that there has to be times when correction has to happen the word spare there means to uh, you don't withhold what's necessary now that's going to be a very key thought you don't withhold what's necessary proverbs 19:18 is another one and we see all we'll see this pattern here Chasten thy son, and I hope you see the seriousness of this, while there is hope. 
and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Parents, it's a really hard thing in the midst of the chastening to see where all of this is going. It really is difficult. And it's difficult to endure the emotions of your children. I can assure you, it's not easy. But yet, we see that chasten, remember the word chasten means to lovingly correct. The Lord God himself chastens those he loves. To not discipline your child, not correct your child, shows you don't love your child. That's the biblical standard. Proverbs 23, so one proverb over from where we're reading in Proverbs 22, Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest the him, we'll deal with that, with the rod he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. It is strong language. Uh, It is talking about delivering the soul from hell. Now, correction, if it's done properly, if correction is done, and well, you're going to hear this word a number of times, judiciously, lovingly, and correctly, these, even these difficult passages will not be looked at in an improper manner as so many have done. So that's what we want to guard against. And then the final, just a couple verses here, is Proverbs 29, verses 15, and then verse 17. The rod and reproof, notice this, give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now, I won't say much about this, but all of you know that a popular parenting method today is let children make mistakes and figure it out on their own. Biblically, a child left to themselves will bring his mother shame. That's what will happen. Not might, not maybe, but will. So if you set out to just be your child's friend, you are going to lose that child. You can almost mark it down. You're going to lose that child. Verse 17, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. That whole concept of I'm just going to let my kids do what they want to do. Well, you're reaping what you're sowing. Houses are in disarray. They're in disorder. The children that are being allowed to figure it out for themselves, they're not bringing rest. They're bringing calamity. He shall give delight unto thy soul. I don't know a parent who does not want delight and rest unto their soul. So these are difficult principles, but they're biblical principles. Now, it has been my experience, and I am going to speak tonight with all kindness, and I'm going to speak in a way that is meant to be nothing but a help to you and a help to me. I am also going to talk about some things that I've seen over the years. And I'm not necessarily telling you right or wrong if i'm if i am i'll say this is i thought this was wrong or i think this is biblically right but i have noticed and this is something that i've seen as a pattern in parenting often and in christian circles parents are often very quick to point out the biblical passages regarding the use of the rod in training 
They're very quick to say, well, the Bible says don't withhold the rod. But they ignore the other passages that talk about teaching, admonishing, loving, and nurturing. Every single parent has to remember that you are sinners saved by grace. And I don't care how holy and righteous you are, there are going to be moments that if you do not collect yourself, you are going to react full on in sin. And it's not always the right time or the right offense. That's what happens. It happens to every person who's ever been a parent. There are times when we are going to immediately react. But we've got to remember that part of parenting is not just this, these rod passages. Chastening doesn't mean when God is chastening us that it's always the use of a rod. Chastening sometimes comes in the loving form of, of a, very, uh, a very kind way that he chastens us, but he's chastening us, he's correcting our behavior. So it is important. Now again, we cannot get around these passages that talk about the rod. However, I will tell you that you follow that word throughout scriptures and it's not always what you think it means. We have to remember we are sinners saved by grace and remember our great responsibility of training the children that God gave you. They are on loan to you. They are not ours. We are raising them so that they will someday bring glory to God. That's why we have children. So these are concepts, these are biblical principles that are difficult, but they are needed. So again, let's look at these and take these verses. Now, primarily tonight, we're dealing with verse 6 and verse 15. Now, those other passages, I've read them for our admonition. I'm not going to talk a lot about those tonight. Um, but I want you to see that this, these concepts, these biblical principles, train up a child in the way he should go. We have biblical patterns throughout the entirety of the Word of God with parents training their children. We see passages like Deuteronomy 6 talking about diligently teach your children. We see even in a very practical sense, we see Abraham in Genesis 14, 14. It describes to us Abraham being a father, raising children, training them. And every other person that was born in his house, Abraham was training those children in the right way. Now that's the key. Train up a child in the way. Right? This is not random training. This is not, well, what works this week? Parents, what you have to actually set out to do, and you have to be very intentional about this, is you have to set the way the way of God, the way of biblical standards, the way of biblical principles, and you got to keep going that way and don't ever turn back. Don't ever stop. No matter what comes on that road, don't stop. Don't veer left. Don't veer right. Stay with it. You say, well, I'm the only parent I know doing this. Stay with it. Training that doesn't train in the way that they should go is not training. It's got to have a purpose. 
Again, I've met parents with absolutely no purpose of how and why they're training their children. You can see it by the way they react and by the way they act towards their children. It's not purposeful. Now again, please do not take anything I'm saying tonight as directed at anybody sitting here. I'm talking about years of ministry experience and then our own personal experiences. I'm not speaking of anyone right here, but these are the things I've seen. A non-purpose parenting will always border, I'm going to say it, will always border on abuse. It will. It will. Because you'll see the only one mode of correction. That's all you'll ever see. And that mode of correction is for every offense. That's not biblical. There are times when even when a child is offended, that it is not the right time to take severe measures. Sometimes it may require a different type of training, a different type of diligence by sitting down and actually explaining it. And you, you may find out that that was loving correction. Again, we're not ignoring what the Bible says. We're just telling you that the training here. To train them in the way of the Lord is to train them in the ways that is right. Train them in the paths of righteousness. Train them in the rights of who God is. Teach your children at a very young age that when they sin, they are not sinning against you, they're sinning against God. And they say, well, when can my child understand that? It varies. Children are not all clones that are at the same moment, at the same time, can accept that and understand those things. But when they have the capacity to do it, explain more deeply those things. The way they should go, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them that the way that they're going is not only for their well-being, but it is for the glory of God. Train up. It's an interesting word. You see, train up. And it actually has the word, has the idea of a dedication. It's kind of like Hannah dedicating unto the Lord. It is the concept of parents training their children to serve God. Training your children is not just training them to behave. You're training them to serve God. Folks, I'm telling you, you can teach outward conformity to just about any child. You can teach them to do what you say. You can teach them to go walk the way you want them to walk. But you're not just aiming for outward conformity. You're actually aiming for a changing of the heart. You're aiming at the heart being changed. And you're aiming them in the way they should go. Like the psalmist says, like arrows. You're pointing them the right way and say, that's the way you should go. And it's for their profit and primarily for God's glory. Now, there is only one way. He doesn't say train them up in a, in a way, choose a way, in the way. It always reminds me when the Apostle Paul, in, in I believe it's Corinthians, I think he makes mention of the way, or maybe, maybe it's referenced him, him in the book of Acts, but people that were Christians in those days were called, called people of that way. It's a very distinctive way in which you are approaching. They're going in the way of Christ. Now I can tell you, you're already, you, if you are a Christian and you have a child born in this world, 
you are already counterculture. Automatically, you're already counterculture. Don't look to the world for the way they should go. Look to the Bible. Look to the Scriptures. This is the way you should go. Again, look around on that road. There's not going to be many on the right way. There'll be a lot on the, the other way, but not the way of the Lord. And that's, that's the concept here. So it's the responsibility of parents under this gospel age in which we live to bring our children under the understanding and to nurture and admonish them in the Lord. Ephesians 6.4 says, And ye fathers, I can remember, I can remember in my head as clear as day, the, day, the time I read this, and it hit me, it struck me to the heart, it convicted me. Ye fathers, provoke not. Now provoking can be very subtle. Provoking is not always that teasing manner in which we think about provoking. It almost has the idea of, of setting those children up. He says, provoke them not, or provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. How do we bring them up? How do we train them up? We train them up by praying with them, praying for them, bringing them under the ordinary means of grace. You bring them under the, the Word of God being preached. You bring them and you... Every time you bring your children to a church service that's honoring God, you, that is part of the training process. To neglect the attendance at the house of God is to do your children a great disservice. It's part of training them. The ministry of the Word, instructing them in the principles of, of, of why to believe what they believe, teaching them about their own accountability to God. And then that must include you and I setting good examples before them. We have to be examples of holy people. I've said this many, many times. Your children are watching more than you think they are. They're paying attention to more things. They actually know things you don't even think they know. You don't even realize what they've observed, what they've heard, what they've seen. That's why it's really important that we give them good examples. Now, all these things have to be done according to their ability and capacity. You can't bring a six-month-old into a church service and expect them to fully understand the ordinary means of grace. And you can't expect them to understand the ministry of the Word. Don't, don't hold those children to a level that they're not possibly capable of understanding yet. Now again, my personal experience has been I've seen correction on children that there is no way in the world they know that they did anything wrong. There's no way. They, they, they couldn't possibly comprehend it. But I've seen parents react as if that child's four. There's a big difference in a four-year-old and a six-month-old. You say, well, if I don't get it out of them now, they have to be able to comprehend what's even happening. And that's important. And again, I'm speaking to you from a lot, some experience of my own mistakes as a father. Because I can tell you, I haven't been a perfect one. And you won't be perfect fathers either. 
You won't be perfect mothers. But again, these are principles. But we should begin training them as they can receive instruction. There's going to be a time when you will realize your children are capable of understanding basic truths. They're fed little by little. Just a little bit. A little bit at a time, as much as they can take. Now, what is the promise here? He says, you train up that child in the way they should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this does not mean that that child that's raised up properly in the way will never, ever depart from what he's been told. But the principle here is, is they are not easily or ordinarily led away. Now, there are exceptions to everything. I can tell you story after story of kids who were raised in church, raised by godly parents. The parents from the outside appearance did everything right. They were actually parents that when we looked at them, we said, why are we failing so badly? And they're, they're doing so well, only to find out their children, as soon as they were old enough, bailed on God and to this day have not come back. Ordinarily, they're not going to go away. But notice he will not depart from it when he is old. Yes, there may be times when they move away. They, run, they, they turn away from God. But if they're truly one of his, they will come back to those principles. Those impressions biblically that we're putting into their souls, these things do not just easily wear off. Watch a child in a public school environment, how quickly they pick up things and how hard it is to get it out of them. Biblical principles are the same way. We act like, okay, well, these things won't stick in them. If children are like sponges, I've told many of you, I'm amazed at what the children that come to this church pick up during a sermon. I am blown away because you think they're not getting it. You're putting impressions upon them. When you speak of the Lord in your home, when you pray, when you talk about the things of God, you're teaching them. That's part of the training. Ordinarily, when these children are raised properly and they grow up into adulthood, when they come to maturity, they come to understanding, they have been pointed in the right way. Now we realize it's an act of the grace of God to save them. But that's why we believe as a church and we ought to be regularly praying for every child in this church and you would be praying for your child to be saved, that God would convert their soul, that God would save them by his grace. But don't take the opinion of some who have said, well, if they're one of God's, then no matter what I do, it's not going to matter. God will save them. That's just biblical laziness. We have a responsibility. God gave you children. We have a responsibility to raise those children. Put into practice what we've known. Colossians 3.21, I think it's important. Paul mentioned it once in Ephesians and he tells the church of Colossae the same thing. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Lest they be discouraged. I wrote down in my notes, and maybe this was for my own, my own confession of my soul. Don't be so overbearing that it causes your children to lose heart. 
Don't be so overbearing that it causes your children to lose heart. So we see there's a great responsibility. There's a great requirement that we are parents, instructors of children, teaching them the way, the wisdom of God, train them up, train those children up in those things to keep them from the sins and the snares that you and I as parents know we're going to be there. Your experience, and I know there's a, there's a fine line with this. Sometimes we as parents are afraid to, we don't want our children to know that we got snared. We have this concept. We don't want our children to know that we ever struggled. We ever, we ever stepped and stepped in the wrong way. Listen, we're all sinners. In spite of what our parents did for us, there's a point in our time in our life when we went our own way. Every one of you probably has a time that, that you say, look, I'm going to do my own thing. Even though you might have been raised properly. But the reality here is, is we have a responsibility to, to teach them and to keep them from the sins and snares. Prepare them for what they are being designed for. What, why did God give us children? To glorify God. Children are a gift. They're not a burden. Is it hard? Absolutely. It's the second hardest thing probably behind being married. Being married's really hard. Have children, it's doubly hard. But they're gifts. And so we see that these things, we, we teach them. Now, it doesn't have to be like what we do and what some of you are doing with your kids with the catechisms, but it's that concept. What are you doing? You don't have to use a catechism. You could just open your Bible and do that. Ask them questions and teach them what does the Bible say. Read a verse to them and say, what does this mean? It doesn't have to be a long, deep theological study. Just say, what does this mean? Ask a question like the catechism does. Where is God? We just read a passage in Psalms. Maybe you read a passage in Psalms and it talks about God's omnipresence. They don't need to know omnipresence, but you ask them a question. Well, where is God? He's everywhere. Now we know the right answer to that further goes on. He's everywhere equally at the same time. But the concept that God is everywhere, you'd be amazed when kids will start putting things together. God is everywhere. That means God actually sees everything. That's good and bad. God's there when I need him for sure, but he's also there when I do things I'm not supposed to do. See, these are the things that we are teaching our kids. Keep them under discipline. Train them up. Teach them to handle the word of God as they're able. Train them up in the way they should go. Remember what it says. Foolishness is bound in the heart. You are already, there's already a battle the time, the moment your child is born. Because they're born in sin. They're born sinners. They're original sin from Adam. I know that's hard for us as parents to hear. And I know there's a lot of people that don't take that. No, they're not a sinner until they commit that first sin. Biblically speaking, they're a sinner because Adam sinned. We're all born in sin. So you gave birth, moms, to a sinner. So don't be surprised when that sinner sins. Just like you shouldn't be surprised when your spouse sins. We almost act appalled when our wife or our husband sins against us. I can't believe this is happening. 
You have two sinners living in a house. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I thought we got married two Christians. We're going to always get along and we're going to sing hymns all day long. Look, you are sinners. And it's going to be affected by a lot of different things. Lose a couple hours sleep at night and see how cranky you are the next day and see how easy it is for you to sin against your spouse. No matter how much you've been in the Word. Right? Parents act like, I can't believe my child is acting like a child. I can't believe my child's acting like a sinner. I can't believe my child, and that's the problem. Your child is a sinner. And you still are too. Some of the things your children are doing that are making you crazy, they're doing it because they saw you doing it. And they still see you doing it. You're like, I'm appalled. What are they doing? Because they just saw dad do that this morning. They just saw mom do that this morning. You see, there's this reality. You're teaching them in the way they should go. Train up a child as they are capable. Don't resort to severe correction. Start with a gentle hand as the nurses feed the children, right? It, where, what happened to this cherishing the child? Start off gentle. Not everything is a severe offense. Deuteronomy 6, 7 again, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when, thou, uh, when they sit in, sit in the house, and when thou, they, they walk by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Teach them, take opportunities. A good reason that we ought to train our children right is so the Bible says that when they grow old, and our hope is they will not depart from God. Again, we haven't always been as faithful about this as, and I haven't been as faithful about this, but praying every day for the very life of your child as they grow, praying for the right spouse, praying for that they will not depart from the Lord. Ordinarily, what you see happens with child with children is they will retain with what you filled them with. If you fill their life with everything in the world, the result is going to be a worldly child. It, it's, it's, it, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but that's the reality. We, sometimes we're surprised and we, we fill our kids with something and we wonder, where did you get that? Because you let them put it there. Now, some things you can't prevent. There are times when your children, you cannot control everything that goes in the eye gate and you can't control everything that goes in the ears. You just can't. You can't put them in a bubble, put them in the corner and say, I'm just going to shield them from the world and never ever let them live. Look, they're going to have to be able to live out in this world. And that's why the training comes in. Solomon himself, wisest man in the world. His life reads like one that's not very wise. He made a lot of questionable decisions in his life, yet the Bible says he's the wisest man in the world. God calls David a man after his own heart, and we say, how could David have been a man after God's own? Did God not see what he did with Bathsheba? Did God, does God not see when he numbered the people, when he wasn't supposed to number the people? Yes, he saw all those things. Solomon himself and again, there are passages, and I don't know who brought this up to me recently in the Proverbs, that the times when you see Solomon use that phrase, my son, 
You can almost see the tenderness in Solomon's voice of, I don't want my son to make some of these same errors that I made. Solomon was not a perfect father, but the early training of our children, instilling biblical principles, becomes the means of how they recover themselves later. Believe it or not, moms and dads are not going to be able to, are not going to be the ones that are going to have to recover your child from a bad situation. They're going to have to have been taught to stand to be able to get themselves out of that temptation. And I'm not, I'm not talking about 15, 16 years old. Folks, I'm telling you, I, I, I cannot believe, I can't believe what five, six, seven-year-olds are being exposed to. I'll say, I can't believe what I hear in a Christian school every day. <laughs> but I'm, I shouldn't look at it and say, well, there's something wrong. That's the influence of society. That's the influence of homes that kids are coming from. Not every child's being raised in the right way to go. But yet, if we train them right, this is supposed to be a way of recovering themselves. Parents can have the comfort of one day knowing that we have as consistently and biblically as we could raised our children properly. Now again, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That foolishness is, is a word that means it's not just foolishness itself, it's sin. Sin, of course, is the greatest of all folly, of all foolishness. That's naturally rooted in the heart of every person. It's in the heart of your child. It's in your heart. It's in that child's heart from his, his or her very birth. It's bound in his heart, which means it is fixed. It's firmly cleaved there. It's rooted and it's active. It's, 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 it is, it's in him from conception. Shapen in iniquity, David says. It's what cleaves closest to him. It's what cleaves close to us, too. Nobody wants to talk about it. But foolishness is still firmly entrenched, even in the heart of a believer. It's still there. That old man is still alive and well. But the child, certainly here, has a strong affection, has a desire for it. Genesis 8.21 tells us that man's heart is evil. It's evil from his youth. It's evil from the very beginning. So that if he is not trained correctly, he will go astray. I wrote this sometime this week. I said, do not fail to remember that even as a believing parent, the old sin nature still resides within you and can be yielded to when training your children. So don't fail to remember that even as a believing parent, your old sin nature still is there and you might at times yield to your sin nature when you're training your kids. Not every training and not every correction that you do was done properly. You say, well, I'm the adult, they're the child. That means I'm right, they're wrong. No, sometimes we do it wrongly. 
Foolish is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The rod, yes, there is a reference here to physical discipline, the rod, but the rod also refers to loving discipline. It's used by parents for the correction of sin and to drive out foolishness. It's the correcting correction of the folly that's bound up in them. It's the attempt by biblical principles to try to reclaim them from those sinful ways. The heart is deceptive and it will lead where it wants to go. It will lead to things that bring pleasure to itself. Again, how do we know correction? Well, the rod of correction, it should be judicious. It should be controlled. I think that's something we better remember. Controlled and loving. There's no question that there is a principle in the Bible that talks about physical discipline. However, I would say that that is not the only means of training, and it should not always be the first resort, first option. A rod does not simply mean an object to strike with. It speaks of discipline as a whole. Loving, prudent correction. Nurturing. Admonishing. Many times, parents are attempting to drive out their own failings out of their children. While at the same time producing the fruit of an undisciplined spiritual life and rebellion towards God themselves. That wasn't easy for me to even write down myself, but that's the reality. Sometimes the very thing we're trying to drive out with the rod is the very thing that is the fruit of our own rebellion. Again, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just simply saying that I think this is the nature of humanity. By nature, a child is wrapped up in foolish things. I have to remind myself every day at school, and I, I, I tell myself this often. I said, when I was this age, did I act like that? Because it, it just it blows your mind. It's like, is this just me getting old? Did I really, is this the way it was? And yet, remember that, yes, this foolishness needs to be driven out. There is a rod of correction. It needs to be administered appropriately and proportionately in season. Sometimes cautionary words of don't do that are not enough, right? Sometimes it's just not. However, I would say this, again, I'm not trying to cause controversy. I'm just simply telling you this. You can, some of this you can take or leave it. Physical punishment is not always necessary for every act of wrongdoing. Everything does not require a severe correction. Nor should it be always the first option. If we treat it in a way that the Bible doesn't say, it becomes sinful and it can become abusive when we treat our children in a non-biblical manner. Now, oftentimes, and again, I can point to a time in my own life. So I'm, again, I'm just speaking to you very transparently that there are too many times in our parent as lives as parents, we spend zero to little time or effort in bringing up our children properly in the admonition of the Lord. And so when we see no growth in our children and they are 
We are wrongfully and sinfully quick to resort to the physical rod due to our own neglect of God and his, our God-given parental, parental responsibilities. Sometimes we do and we see because we have not been diligently preparing ourselves. Oftentimes the sin we despise in our own children is the very sin our children have witnessed us commit over and over and over again. So we have things here. We have very strong admonitions. We have to, it, it, it should burden our heart about the heart of corruption. Sin is foolishness. Sin is not to be accepted or tolerated. It's contrary both not only to the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ, but it should be contrary to what interests us. In other words, parents should not be setting out to say, how much can I make my child sin? This might be something silly. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I heard someone tell me one time they, they thought it was funny because they had taught their three-year-old how to swear. And they thought it was funny to hear them swear. They just, they, just, they just got a kick out of it. Something very wrong with that, right? There's something very wrong that gets a kick out of watching a child sin. It's just like we shouldn't get a kick out of watching adults sin. We shouldn't, get a, we shouldn't be looking for, to, to fulfill the desire of our own flesh. We already know that we're all born with an inclination to sin, right? We already know it's there. But like the Bible says, it's bound there. So we are given a very, very somber and very sobering reality that being a parent is going to require diligent study and diligent training of the child that God's given to you. Now we could leave, I could, I, could, I could give us a closing prayer and say, okay, I gave you, gave you a lot to think about, gave you a lot of somber, sobering thing, and you could leave without any hope. But I want you to look back again at verse 6, and I want you to see in that very verse, that's where our hope is. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Everything you're doing as a parent, keep the promises of God in mind. He won't depart. He'll, he or she will know how to recover themselves out of the snare of the devil when you're not watching them, when you're no longer there to protect them. That's hopeful. That correction is not just for the sake of, hey, I just want to make up a bunch of little good soldiers that don't embarrass me. Again, I've heard that as a parenting thing. Don't do that. You'll embarrass me. That's not parenting. That's not parenting. That's protecting your own reputation. We're training them because they're God's gift to us. And we want them to give glory to God. There is not going to be any greater thing that's going to happen to any parent in this room or any parent that's listening than the day that Christ saves your son or daughter. But we don't just sit back and say, well, if God's going to save them, God's going to save them. No, we're supposed to be diligently training them now. 
sin is still in us. Sin must be driven out of us and it must be driven out of our children. Correction is necessary. Children need to be corrected. They need to be kept under discipline. We need to be corrected. We need to be kept under discipline. Every parent also needs to remember that we are corrected by a loving Heavenly Father. Those passages that talk about chastening doesn't seem joyous when it's happening, but again, paraphrasing what it produces later. Parents, if I can just encourage you tonight, just stay the biblical course. I know I've gone a lot longer than I wanted to go tonight, but I felt, I felt really important that we did this all in one message tonight. Just stay the course. You are going to make mistakes. You are not going to be the perfect parent. But again, our desire ought to be what's driving and motivating us. I want, I want to give glory to God myself as a father. I want to give glory to God as a mother. I want my children to know and have a reverence for God. That's something that is lacking. Teach our children to revere God. He's worthy of our reverence. He's worthy of our worship. Even when, even when we come into the house of God, teach them, look, yes, this is just a building, but we're here to worship God and we're going to reverence God. They may not understand what that means. You be their example. How do we act when we come into the house of God? What should it look like? What should it sound like? How do we revere God when the word's being preached? And not just by me, any man who stands up behind a pulpit. How should we revere the word of God when we're reading the scripture? How should we sing the hymns? They're not going to understand it all, but I'm telling you, they're getting it. And they're going to get what you're teaching them at home if you keep them in the right way. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I truly hope God's word will help us tonight and just help us to really see what an awesome responsibility this is to be a parent and realize the gift that God has given to us. If you're not a parent yet and God, and God gifts you with that, this will serve as preparation for that. If you're a parent that's already raised your kids, it's not over. It's not over. This is not a sprint to see how quickly you can get them out. No, this is, wanting, this is wanting to help train them all of their life and seeing the fruit of trying to raise them in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word tonight, Lord. And Lord, we have dealt with difficult things tonight. But Lord, we've also dealt with things that ought to make us rejoice. Your word instructs us and says that through the correction of our children, that we can have hope. That Father, there is a way in which we should train them. There is a biblical way that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Father, give us wisdom as parents and grandparents. Give us wisdom to understand the right way of correction. May we be obedient to your word. Help us to be holy, living examples of what your word declares. Father, we realize that we need the power of God to be able to raise our children in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord. 
Give us wisdom of what steps to take, what training, what correction. And Father, above all else, we pray that these children that are here even tonight, that these children will come to know Christ as their Savior. That in that appointed hour, at that appointed moment, according to your will, that their eyes would be opened and that they would be made willing to believe in that day and be gloriously saved. Father, give these parents here tonight and those that may be online, give them the strength and the courage and the boldness to stand in a day in which parenting is being neglected, parenting is being laughed and mocked upon, especially Christian parenting, and help us to rejoice in the great privilege and responsibility it is to raise our kids. Father, we love you and we thank you, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.